The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Rob McLeod is a Frisbee ambassador. While delighting and awing audiences, he spreads the message of kindness by demonstrating for students the joy of acceptance, determination, and unplugging. Rob, thank you so much for talking with me today. How did you get into Frisbee throwing in the first place? Yeah, Frisbee throwing for me really, I kind of say that it found me more than I found it. Um, in sports, I was there in high school. I was a multi-sport athlete. Played hockey, soccer, rugby, track and field. Was actually athlete of the year in grade 12. And when I graduated from high school, I ended up moving really far away from home, living with my aunt and uncle and cousins, and going to school um, at a university that was about an hour drive away. So didn't have the potential to play any team sports or any sort of organized sports. I didn't have a, my own car. But I was very much um, at the mercy of their schedule. And so during clubs week at the university, I ended up picking up a Frisbee. And the memories started coming back from being a teacher throw a Frisbee to playing a game of ultimate Frisbee when I was a bit younger. And I just thought, you know, maybe this is something that will help me stay in shape, um, something that I could have fun with away from the studying. And that was before YouTube. And so there was no videos online of the sport or teaching you how to throw. There was a website I found that taught the basic grips and basic throws. And I really just fell in love with the throwing itself. I'd go out in a field a couple times a week and just start throwing. Really fell in love with the sport. And it was it was different than the other sports. Um, but it was also, I feel like, just this amazing discovery. Because the other sports I was very successful at. My high school hockey team won provincials in high school. And so it felt like maybe this was a new challenge for me. And I didn't really think that at the time. But looking back... I think that's one of the reasons I was definitely drawn to Frisbee um, as much as I was. When I think of uh, the Frisbee, I think of a, a game of, you know, you throw it and you catch it. There, there, there needs to be two people or more people. Um, how did you get around that? Or did you have a partner? For sure, yeah. No, Frisbee is definitely a game of throw and catch. It works best when you throw it and someone catches it. But there's a lot of different ways to have fun, and that's something that I've really discovered over the years. When I first started throwing, it was just me and one Frisbee. And so I was just trying to figure out how to actually throw it and make it fly far, make it fly flat, just learning different ways to hold the Frisbee. And the more I've gotten into it, the more I've learned all the wonderful possibilities that exist with Frisbee. You can play a team sport like Ultimate, where, like you said, you're throwing and catching with multiple people. You could do something called self-caught flight, which is my specialty, where I actually throw and catch my own throw. You could throw it to a dog. Um, you could also throw it into a disc golf basket. So there's, there's a lot of wonderful possibilities with Frisbee, and that's, that's really um, what I love most about it. And just to, trying to, to, uh, to show that and share that with other people as well, because a lot of people don't know what is possible. You've actually won uh, Guinness World Records with, um, with your talents. And, and how many of those were with a dog and how many were single? Yeah, so I have two Guinness World Records with Davey Whippet, and I have four Guinness World Records by myself. And then I have also quite a few other World Records outside of Guinness, 
and a few of those, again, are with Davey, but most of those are on my own. And and so Davey is a dog. Davey's passed now, but um, how did you get associated with Davey? Yeah, I met Davey um, about six and a half years ago and had never met a Whippet before in my life. I had never even met a Greyhound and just thought, wow, this dog looks really fast and he's kind of quirky. And both of us just really fell in love right away. And we've been best friends and teammates ever since. And he changed my life more than anyone I've ever met in my life, more than I ever imagined was possible. Taught me the value of loving. Um, Even though you know at some point you're going to lose that person. Um, And I call him a person because he really, I feel like, was a person. Mm -hmm. Um, Just We spent some really wonderful opportunities um, to do things together with kids. He met thousands of kids changed many, many lives, showed a lot of kids that you could throw Frisbees, you could have a dog as a teammate. And it was just really an amazing time to to be able to spend with him. And um, I'm just so grateful that his owner let me um, do as much as I did with him. So she's she's a really wonderful person to to allow that. He's even the subject of the book, The Davy Rule. What's The Davy Rule? Yeah, so he really inspired that um, and really... I learned about kindness through that book. So a friend of mine actually sent a message to me. He's a Hall of Fame Frisbee player who's really passionate about rescue dogs and suggested that with my message in schools combined with Davy's quirkiness and his talent that we could do a children's book. And so I started doing a little bit of research, talked to um, someone I knew who was an author and ended up bringing on a friend of mine who was a teacher and through her, I found out about bucket filling, which I'd never heard about before. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'd been speaking in schools for a couple of years and didn't have a message about kindness in my presentation. I did talk about bullying and anti-bullying and things like that. Didn't really understand the impact of it. Um, and so when I first heard about bucket filling, I really wanted to learn as much as I could. And so I ended up uh, downloading the audiobook of the original um, audiobook that's on bucket filling. The, the guy, two guys that did the research, and I think most people that know about bucket filling have only ever read the kids' book, and right. so it really gave me some wonderful insight into the idea of positive versus negative, you know, what's the magic number, 13 positive to one negative, you know, you don't want to live in this utopian world, but at the same time, you don't want to be too negative to somebody, and then I remember reading a website that talked about how bucket filling was really the slip on the golden rule. There's a lot of schools I visit that talk about the golden rule, especially a lot of the the religious schools. And to say that it's all about treating somebody how you want to be treated. But bucket filling and the idea of kindness is all about getting to know somebody, doing something that's valuable for them. And so that's something that I really try and share with people is, and it's, it's not this science thing. It's, just getting to know people and just doing something that they care about. And so that's really what I talk to kids about, and that's the whole idea of it is what inspired the book. And so the reason we call it the Davy Rule is because it's a flip on the golden rule. So the Davy Rule essentially is just kindness and the idea of bucket filling. And so if somebody, you know, in the book, Davy is playing Frisbee and a dog comes up and he says, do you want to play Frisbee? And the dog says, no, I don't really like Frisbee. Davy says, well, what about... Or what do you like? The dog says, well, I could, I could walk around with it. So it's instead of trying to you know, push somebody or get them to do something we like, 
just ask them what is something that they would like. And there's a lot of value that comes from that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. For people who aren't familiar with the 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 bucket fillers, um, can you explain that what that is? I've, I've read the children's book, but I didn't know that there was an adult version of it either. Yeah. So the original research, I can't remember the two guys' names right now off the top of my head, um, but it was based on, I believe it was the Korean War mm. and how so when, so I think it was American soldiers were taken prisoner and instead of physically doing anything, they just emotionally destroyed them. And so what they would do is whoever was the high ranking official, they would actually make them the lower ranking official in the prison to the point where when these soldiers went home after they were released, they wouldn't talk to anybody. They didn't want to see their family. They just were emotionally crushed. Mm. And so they're like, well, if this, if this is this powerful, what about the flip side? What about if we, instead of physically doing something to somebody, what if we positively share things? And one of the most striking examples was they were able to study a group of couples for about 15 minutes, and based on the positive and negative interactions, they could predict within 95% accuracy if that couple would still be together, I think, 15, 20 years later. Um, And it was just based on watching two people interact and they're really positive and supportive of each other or if they were negative and cutting each other down, knowing that that would, you know, get worse and worse over the years and build up. Um, And so just a lot of those wonderful messages. And so that's really where the kids book came from is that idea of bucket filling that if you are nice to somebody, you fill their bucket, but you also fill your own. And if you're mean to somebody else, then you take and dip from their bucket, but you also dip from your own bucket. So a lot of people think that in order for them to feel better, they have to make someone feel worse. And it actually works the opposite. You're going to both feel worse. We'll get back to our conversation with Rob in a moment. But first, today's Kindness Call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. My name is Karen. I'm traveling around in Singapore and riding on the MRT and as a very crowded and somebody very kind to stand out, uh, give up their seat for me to, to sit. I thought that was very thoughtful and kindness. Just want to share with you. Thank you. Bye. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. Now you travel around to schools and you talk about your message of the Davy rule, the golden rule, being kind, uh, and you also compete. What's what's the schedule? Are you do you fifty fifty or or how much time do you spend doing each of those things? It's definitely more heavy on the speaking now. Mm-hmm. Um, I did actually compete last week and wasn't prepared at all for it. <laughs> um, was actually really sore from all the traveling I've been doing to schools. But I see a lot of value. I see a lot of potential in what I'm building. And I really want to build a team around my message and the program that I've built over the last few years. But there's a, and I've, and I've learned a lot too. Like when I'm in a school, there's tons of posters and quotes on the wall. And I get to talk to the principals and the teachers and talk to the kids. And there's just way too many messages that are just bombarded with stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not only are they messaged, overwhelmed with messages from social media, video games, T 
TV, things like that, but then they go to school and there's tons of messages there as well. And so I'm really trying to figure out the best way for myself to be sort of this layer, not completely over top of schools like some programs are, but just really trying to fit in with messages that already exist, messages that are, are being effective and helpful. And so instead of telling somebody to, how to be kind, um, I really try to show examples of that. We're just really encouraging them to focus on what they like to do. And by focusing on what you like to do, I think it encourages people to understand that other people might like to do something that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but just learning things like, you know, if you talk about bullying in a school, it actually increases bullying. So it's the whole idea of if you tell somebody to not think about an elephant, they're going to think about an elephant. <laughs> so it really is about manifesting what we want and trying to focus on that. And it's just been really interesting because it's led me down a lot of, <laughs> down into a lot of rabbit holes of research. Yeah. And every time I want to talk about something, I really make sure that I research it to understand all I can about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my messages have really been cleaned up quite a bit as well. Um, and a lot of it is just trying to show through actions. A lot of times, like as much as I want kids to hear things, I also have to understand just the effect that technology and the internet has had on them. And it's really sad actually that they, this whole idea of an arousal addiction, which comes from the Ted talk, the demise of guys mm-hmm. and you know, kids today, for example, I did a workshop this morning and I, each game is only about three minutes long and I switched it up and they do a lot of throwing and catching. And there's a lot of these, it's mostly boys, and they couldn't even focus for more than 20, 30 seconds. They had to go on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, because they would try something, they weren't very good at it, and they would just go back to something where there was no no sense of failure. They could at least do it and... Video games cater to that, um, where you're not really ever going to fail. You can at least do something. And so it's not a good base for our culture to be developing. And so that's something that I'm really trying to figure out now is how can we kind of link this all together and encourage people that excellence is what matters and it's okay to fail. I think too many people are afraid of failing. And so they just don't even try. Um, but, you know, if you don't even try, you're, you're failing right away. So. I would Um, imagine that the reaction from students has to be pretty cool when they see you, though, because if they are so um, electronic driven and they see someone come and able to move their body and work with a piece of plastic in a way that they have never seen done in real life before, that's got to open up some some avenues for them and open up some hope for them and some inspiration for them. Do you see that? For sure. And that's really the goal. And I also give a challenge called Unplugged. And so um, I've been getting more bold with the challenge as well. And so lately what I've been doing is actually challenging them to get rid of TVs in their bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tell them like there's there's literally no benefit. There's no reason for you to have a TV in your bedroom at all. So I'm telling these kids to go home, tell their parents that they want to sell their TV, get rid of their TV, donate it or whatever. And if there's backlash, I'm going to take it because we don't, We just have too much, too many devices, too much technology. But for a lot of these kids, I heard a really good, um, really good session a little while ago about technology. And one of the speakers challenged their, challenged the teachers to ask the kids, tell me about one of your most favorite recent memories. And I've asked some kids that before. um, And for a lot of them, actually, it was the Frisbee. But 
99.9% of them will never mention anything to do with technology. It'll be, you know, that they went camping or they did something that was moving their body or that they were away from technology. But as much as kids have a tough time getting away from technology, um, Sherry Turkle talks about this. If you get kids away from a screen for five days, uh, empathy markers start increasing again. And so if we can get more people putting down the screens and looking up and talking to each other, then we're going to notice how our words have an effect on people. And that's really directly linked to kindness. The more empathetic you are about somebody, then it's easier to be kind to them because you can see how your words and how your actions affect them. You can understand how they're really feeling. Um, I've actually been getting into the four agreements as well recently mm-hmm. um, and talking about like, you know, your word is impeccable, but whatever you say you do. And so a lot of these kids, when I challenge them, their challenge is how do I talk to my friends? And so I'm like, well, make plans with them and then stick to those plans. Don't cancel five minutes before saying, oh, I'm tired or I'm not feeling good. I think that's happening. Technology allows that to happen much more easily where you can say, oh, yeah, I'm on my way. Traffic is bad. Whatever whatever excuse you want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for us to actually say something and stick with it is a good habit to start build, building. And um, a lot of these kids I talk to as well, they'll have hundreds of followers on Instagram. Who are those people? So it's right. really trying to get kids to think about, get to know and have five or six close friends. Right. You know, you really develop a lot of value in that. And if you really need somebody, those five or six friends will be there. If you really need somebody, those hundreds of followers, who even knows who those might, some of them might be bot accounts. Some of them are people that you've never met really far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the kids are, they see, I feel like more than ever, they're seeing all this value in technology to make a living. I hear a lot of kids talking about they want to become a professional video gamer or a professional streamer. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like when I was a kid, just have fun and enjoy it. Like they're getting caught up in like they want to do this because then they'll make they'll have a job doing that. But you take a video game away and it leaves nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I think people feel more disconnected than ever before because we're not fostering those relationships in person. And I'm definitely guilty of that. That's something that I'm trying to work on, noticing that within the kids, trying to set an example um, so I can actually live what I'm, what I'm saying. And it's, been, it's tough, but I think the more that we do it, then we can start gaining more control and getting, getting our time back. Rob, why is this all so important to you? I can tell by hearing your voice that you have this passion for for goodness and um, helping kids get back on the right path. But I'm wondering, why? Did something happen in your um, growing up or in your development that made you feel um, like now you want to make a difference? Yeah, I think there's a few factors for sure. Um, I've always been a coach. I've always worked with kids, even when I was in grade five. I was coaching figure skating when I was in high school. I was reading books to kids. And that really came about from my parents, especially my mother, who was just the most wonderful person that I've ever known. And she passed away in 2001. Mm. And so the the reason I'm so good at Frisbee is because that was my way to grieve. I would just go out in the field by myself with a Frisbee and throw for hours and hours and hours. And it was the one sport that she never got to see me play. Mm. She volunteered for many years with figure skating, with hockey. Like she was always at every single event that I went to. 
and it's the one sport that she never got to see me do. So for sure, there's a lot of her within me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very, I, I, I feel like I have a very high EQ. Um, my IQ is pretty high, I think, as well, unless those tests are all rigged. But and I know that's <laughs> not normal to have a high IQ and EQ. Mm-hmm. And my EQ, my EQ has definitely been developed. It's not something you just have. Mm-hmm. I've worked really hard at it. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I feel like I've also learned a lot from that. And then more recently, just looking at the people around me, the work that I do in school, I feel like it sounds kind of cheesy, but um, part of my purpose is to try and support parents and teachers. And so I try to do parent sessions, really tough to get parents to come out. But I think it goes back to the old adage of it takes a village. I really feel like parents play a role, teachers play a role, people like myself play a role, all of us can help those kids um, become future adults. And so not knowing if I'm ever going to have kids or not, you know, knowing that I can just jump in head first and, and do as many schools as I can and talk to as many kids as possible. And this, the more I learn, the more it excites me because there's a lot of this information that is readily available, but parents don't have the time. And this is what they're telling me. They just don't have the time to go read a book or listen to an audiobook. And so if I can read that and then share the information with them, it helps them, you know, be, I don't want to say a better parent, but a more informed parent, at least to have that information that they can then make, make decisions on. Um, I think, and then the more I learn, the more it keeps fueling me to grow and, and learn and connect and share. Yeah. And you realize how important it is that your message is um, to get out there. Rob, yeah, would, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and just really, you know, where we live in North America, it's very fractured, I feel like. And it's the political system, the way it is, like a friend of mine is running for um, for office in a smaller town. And it's just interesting how different candidates are pitting themselves against each other based on their party. Mm-hmm. When in reality, as people, they believe a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are focusing on what makes them different instead of what makes them similar. And so that's really where I go in. I'm sure I disagree with a lot of people on a lot of things, but there's a lot of things that we can agree on. And that's something that I'm really trying to to focus on to um, say, you know, it's okay to be different. It's okay to have different opinions. Um, It's okay for some people to be wrong, some people to be be right. And um, definitely more learning to come from that. Rob, you are definitely bringing people together, and I appreciate that so much. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us today on the Kindness Podcast. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. That was a conversation with Rob McLeod. You can find out more about Rob at frisbeerob.com. Thanks for listening to the Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to the Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section.